Well, we are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, um, relapse, and really how to avoid relapse. So there's a, um, oh, I'm Janet. I'm recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. Happy to be here. And again, talk about um, pitfalls in recovery, that certain pits, if we fall into, we're going to get, um, we're going to end up in relapse. So there are things we want to avoid. Um, there's a common misconception that relapse is part of recovery. I used to hear that expression sometimes, um, and it's not true. First, sometimes what we call relapse is simply non-recovery, right? That was me my first seven years. I just didn't get abstinent, never got 30 days in my first seven years. Relapse is making progress in the steps, having a period of abstinence, and then going back into the food. Um, and as I said, it's not true. And the founders of our program didn't believe that relapse is a part of recovery. In fact, um, on page 120 of our big book, they say that it is infinitely better that a person have no relapse at all, as has been true with many of our men. So guys, that is to me a wonderful line. It tells us it is possible to never relapse. Um, how do we do it? Well, the only solution to compulsive eating referred to in this program is to be protected by God, right? Page 85, we feel we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We're protected by God, not, oh, I stuck to my food plan because I was good. I was protected. Um, and page 89 tells us we have immunity as long as we do this work and then we give it away, we keep helping others. So how do we get placed in this position of protection, right? Step 12 tells us we have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. So assume a person meets the requirements on page 59. She wants what we have and is willing to go to any lengths to get it and admits that she's powerless over food. This is crucial, right? A person has to understand that her memory fails to hold her in check and her life is unmanageable. And if there's someone new or not new who's struggling with us with that, we have, there is a podcast called Building a Bridge to God. And there's a one page sheet on our website, um, recoveryjam.com about the broken bridge that really goes in depth explaining powerlessness. So we really have to understand that we have no power and our book tells us our solution is to find a power greater than ourselves, which will solve our problem. So really this recovery is, um, is a journey. We start at point A where we're powerless and we travel to point B where we get power over food, but not our power, of course, like I would never say that my lamp has power, but as long as it's plugged into the electricity, the power source, it functions and it gives light and it does just fine. So we have to essentially plug into the power source and we get more and more power with each step, starting with step two, until by the time we finish step nine, it says that, um, we feel we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. So like I said, the first infusion of power comes with step two. As soon as we admit the possible existence of God, 
we begin to be possessed of the book says a new sense of power and direction provided we take other simple steps. So as long as we continue on in the steps. So let's say we've met the requirements. We're willing to go to any lengths um, because if we're not, it's not gonna work. Um, we've admitted we're powerless over food and we've come to believe that maybe, just maybe there is a God and that he can restore us to sanity. Well, the dictionary definition of relapse is to suffer deterioration after a period of improvement. So for a compulsive eater, relapse is really the state of being protected and then not being protected. Well, what exactly does that mean? So I like to go back to um, middle school when I think about when we learned in history, you know, about the kings and the serfs and the moats and all that stuff. And remember, there's a king and he protected his serfs as long as they stayed on his land, right? So if the other armies um, come and attack, the king will, you know, sound the trumpet and the drawbridges go up. And if I'm on his land, I'm protected. But let's say I get some great idea in my head that, yeah, I don't really need to be protected by the king. I'm smart enough. I can wander off by myself and I wander off the king's land. And then he sounds a trumpet because an army's coming to attack and the drawbridge goes up. Guess what? I'm not on the land. I'm not safe and protected. Not because the king doesn't love me, but because I in my self-will have wandered off. And then I am at the mercy of this illness. So I went through the book once and I found about 16 different pitfalls that lead to relapse. 16 things that once we make a start in the steps, that if we um, kind of wander off the land, we could end up in trouble. So here we go. Number one, not moving ahead quickly in the steps. We cannot dawdle. We cannot, this isn't like um, school where you work really hard from September to May and then you get June, July and August off. It is not like that. We have to keep going. And in fact, the book is clear that the only step we are ever allowed to postpone is step five. And that's only if there isn't a suitable person around to hear it. So that's the first one. Number two, lack of humility. Remember um, in the story we've talked about in We Agnostics, the minister's son, and he couldn't move ahead so long as he thought he had all the answers. But as soon as he said, is it possible that all the religious people I've known are wrong? Basically, as soon as he said, maybe other people are right, the obsession to drink lifted from him. And, you know, in saying that now, I realized that my experience was pretty much exactly the same. I'd been doing it my way until one day, right after a binge, I was at a meeting. I took a really hard sponsor. And then I went and I basically said to God, I'm willing to admit everything I know and think about you is wrong and let and to start over and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. Um, so lack of humility is a pit that'll lead to relapse 
inevitably. Um, the third one is dishonesty. This program requires that it says we develop a manner of living built on rigorous honesty. That means no lying, not to our sponsors, not to our bosses, not at all. No lying, no stealing, no cheating on taxes, no cheating on husbands. We are people who have to live in a, in a manner that's rigorously honest. Why? Um, well, a few reasons. One, if I'm being dishonest, I'm trying to control things. I'm trying to make myself feel comfortable, not get in trouble. There's something that I'm trying to, to get to feel better by being dishonest. Um, and then I'm running the show and playing God. And if I'm playing God, I'm basically telling God to keep out. And God being the perfect gentleman that he is, he'll say, okay. Um, also dishonesty creates fear and tension and that makes for more drinking or for us more binging. That's on page 73. Um, so we'll talk about dishonesty to sponsors in depth a little more um, later on, but for now, just suffice it to say, we are people who have to live a life of rigorous honesty. You know, other people may be able to get by with white, li white lies. We can't get by with lies of any color. Um, number four, not enough work and self-sacrifice for others. It's on pages 14 and 15. In Bill's story, we're taught how to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. And I would have thought it says, we perfect and enlarge our spiritual life through more prayer and meditation. But the book actually doesn't say that. It says we perfect and enlarge our spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. So what does self-sacrifice mean? Well, by definition, self-sacrifice means that I'm giving something up that I want for the welfare of another person. I'm giving up something I want. For me, it's often sleep or leisure time. Um, how much self-sacrifice? Well, on page 97, it tells us we give up sleep. We have our fun time and work time interrupted. It may cost us money. It may involve going on hospital visits, having people stay at home for a while. It actually says a drunk may smash the furniture in your home. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. It may involve calling police or doctors. So basically um, our lives shouldn't be as easy breezy as they'd be if we weren't in this program. And if we're watching as much Netflix as we want, we're probably not doing enough self-sacrifice. We should always be behind on those shows because we're so busy being of use to others. Number five, um, not working hard enough or fast enough on our fourth step. Um, so we've got, as I said, we have to work hard on all our steps, but the big book is particularly clear in telling us we cannot delay our fourth step. And I think it's because generally people don't like working on their fourth step. Now, I never understood that personally because it meant I got to sit and write and write about my favorite topic in the world, myself. And then in the fifth step, talk about my favorite topic, myself. Um, but generally we don't like it because it's not just 
talking about and writing about ourselves. It's writing about what we've done wrong. And that's the hard part. Um, but here's what it says about the fourth step. It says we need to be launched on a course of vigorous action. Look at those words, launch, vigorous. And then there's a conditional promise there. It promises that our third step would have no permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face our defects. So a strenuous effort, and then our recovery can be permanent, right? They mean for us to get better recovered. And then as they say, spend our, keep our head in the clouds with God and our feet firmly planted on this earth where our fellow travelers are growing closer to God and more useful to others. That is our amazing destiny. So we want to work hard on that fourth step. Um, number six, not resolving resentments. So again, the big book is very specific in mentioning this as a pitfall. Um, so it says when harboring resentments, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of food returns and we eat compulsively again. And with us to eat compulsively is to die. Those are pretty strong words, right? But remember, our only solution is to be protected by God. So if I cut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit from God, I can't be protected. And it says, um, how do we shut the door on him? By harboring resentments. Now that doesn't mean we'll never feel them. We're human beings. I think we'll feel them all the time, but we can't be a safe harbor for them. We can't let resentments come in, hang out, and us just be satisfied with them. So we can't harbor resentments. Number seven, not seeking to play the role that God assigns on page 68. Um, if I'm not looking to play the role that God assigns, I cannot expect serenity when there's calamity. Look at um, the beautiful formula, right? That um, we are in the world to play the role that God assigns just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Which tells me I can be serene no matter what's going on, if I'm looking to play the role that God assigns me and trusting him. So remember, our only solution, I'll say it again, is to be protected by God. Um, so I need to play the role that he assigns me. If I'm not, I'm playing God, right? If I'm not looking to say, God, what would you have me do? Um, then I'm essentially saying, don't worry, God, I got this. I can handle it. I don't need to follow your rules. Um, and again, God will just say, okay, Janet, you think you got this? I'll step aside. Um, and let me tell you, I have two master's degrees, but I'm still grossly underqualified for the job of God. So I personally do a lot better when I just look to say, what role am I supposed to play in any given situation? Number eight, not living up to our sex ideal or harming others. Um, 
the big book is really clear that if we fall down on our sex ideal and continue to harm others, this is what it says, we are quite sure to drink. So see, sometimes people say, well, if someone um, relapses, it always means they haven't taken a first step. But here, they're not saying that. They're saying that if we fall down on our sex ideal and continue to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. So the solution there would be to make amends for the harm we've done and then to live up to our sex ideal. Um, I personally don't think this is limited to our sex ideal because I think the main point is harm to others. We're not supposed to cause harm to others. So the pitfall here is, of course, I'm going to do things wrong and harm others. Today, um, my husband and I have us practice every day. We tell each other like one praise, one like thing we felt throughout the day and one thing we did wrong throughout the day. And so today my thing I did wrong was someone at work, um, you know, asked me for, or, or told me some information was wrong and she was wrong. Um, but I just, you know, emailed back, no, you're wrong. It's just, I was like, I was snarky you know, which might have like hurt her feelings and made her feel bad. So later on, I sent her an email, like, I apologize for being snarky. We're always going to mess up, but it's, are we going to fix it? And if we don't fix it, if we don't care, we're going to fall into that relapse pit. Number nine, not disclosing everything in our fifth step. Why do we do a fifth step in the first place? Um, the book says, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking or for us overeating. The big book clarifies that the reason some people got drunk was they never told someone their entire life story. They therefore didn't learn the humility, fearlessness and honesty that's required. So we have to do those fifth steps. Number 10 from page 78, not paying money that we owe. Book is real clear. We must lose our fear of creditors, no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. So if someone's in the food and there's this amend they haven't made, this money they owe that they haven't paid, go out and make the amend, pay the money. Number 11, um, letting up on our spiritual program of action and resting on our laurels. So in this book, it says that this program, I think it's in chapter two, simple, but not easy, right? This program, it's simple. Once we understand it, just 12 steps to do, but no one would ever say it's easy. However, there is one thing that the big book says it's easy on page 85, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Then it's the next line. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol or food is a subtle foe. So it's easy to get through the steps and coast. And we can't do it. It's easy. So if it's easy to let up, it's almost like, gravity, right? Like if I take this pen and I'm going to, and I don't want it to fall and it's, I have to be intentional about catching it, 
or by default, gravity is going to make it fall to the ground. So I have to be intentional about working 10, 11, and 12. If we're through the steps and not sponsoring someone, we can't just say, yeah, I'll sponsor someone when it comes or when someone comes around. What are we doing to find someone to sponsor? Are we posting? Are we calling newcomers? Are we asking people? I mean, what are we, sh- are we sharing at meetings so that people will be drawn to us? We are people who cannot coast. Are we, you know, developing our relationship with God? If we've had the same stale spiritual practice and we're doing it just to check off, you know, check a box, I put in my 30 minutes with God, but it doesn't excite us. We're not trying new ways to connect with God. We should try doing that. And if our reviews are are typically, yep, no resentments, no fears, nothing I could have done better. Everything was great. We are not going deep enough. I have never had a day where I've not found something I could have done better or something I've done wrong. And a lot of times, multiple things I've done wrong and a list of what I could do better. So um, we need to be intentional about working the last three steps of this program once we're through the first nine. So remember, step 10, we clear away the wreckage of our day. It's important to do that so we can hear from God in step 11. We are supposed to expect to hear from God. Not every day. I mean, some people might hear every day. I don't, but I give him time and space so that if he does have something he wants to convey or transmit to me, he can. And then in step 12, we help others. We have to be intentional about it. Um, The 12th pitfall, just reiterating not working intensively with other compulsive eaters. Um, It is the only place in the big book that I know of where we're promised immunity. First line on page 89, if we work intensively with other compulsive eaters, the illness can't touch us. We are protected by God. What does intensively mean? It means taking the time to take people through the steps. How do we know if we're working intensively enough? Again, if we're uh, caught up on Dope Sick or whatever series we're watching and, you know, we're keeping up with it every week, then um, we probably aren't working intensively enough. Number 13, not immediately repairing the damage we caused when we're inconsiderate or unhelpful. That's on page 99 says, of course, we're not always going to live up to this, but the big book says that even though we all fall much below the standard many times, we must try to repair the damage immediately, lest we pay the penalty by a spree. So if we've done something to hurt someone, we do what we can to fix it. So um, one time I just remember I was too hard on my daughter. Um, She was, I I don't know, a teenager. So when she was out, I went in and cleaned her room as an amend, right? We always, if we do a harm, so the harm was like, I did something that made her unhappy by being too critical or too harsh. So by cleaning her room for her, I did something that would make her happy. So we want to set the scales right. Number 14, on page 149, 
imposing on people and lack of gratitude. Um, on page 149, it says, the right kind of man, the kind who recovers, will not want to be made a favorite. He will not impose. Far from it. He will work like the devil and thank you to his dying day. So we don't want to sit there and think, am I my sponsor's favorite sponsee? Am I my boss's favorite employee? Um, we don't impose on other people, which means for the most part, we don't ask people to do things for us that we're capable of doing ourselves. Now, obviously that's not an ironclad rule, right? You know, especially people in marriages help each other all the time. Um, but we wanna make sure that that's not kind of the person we are, that I ask someone to like, oh, can you look this up for me when I'm perfectly capable of looking it up for myself or do something for me that I can do myself. We wanna be doing for others. Number 15, not knowing our personal temptations and limits. So it's important to know where we can't go either because early on in, our recovery where we're, we have to be really like super careful, right? We generally, um, you know, sometimes we're on the phone with someone while we're at the grocery, we're really careful. And sometimes we're just spiritually shaky. Um, I can generally go anywhere. I don't even know where the candy aisle is in my grocery store, but every now and then there's something, it's like, oh yeah, I don't want that in, in my house. Like, um, I think one year my son trick-or-treating and around Halloween had these candy corns and that's something I used to binge on as a kid. And like, yeah, I, I really didn't want them around. Um, so we're supposed to know our limits. And it says that um, if you're supposed to go someplace and you feel shaky, don't go. Work with another compulsive eater instead. Or if you're new in recovery, find a way to be useful and practice self-sacrifice. Basically, um, we stay away from places that we know are gonna be temptation for us. And they mentioned that um, big temptation comes while traveling. And so when we're traveling, it's recommended go to meetings while away. It says we can lend a hand and at the same time, avoid certain alluring distractions of the road. And I would also um, caution people that a large percentage of relapses happen when people go on vacation. That's why it's often advised to people like, unless you know, you've you started recovery and you've planned a trip to Disney World with your small children, you know, for the next week. For the most part, um, we try not to do those things early in recovery. I started working with someone once and she had um plans like, you know, a time with a girlfriend's thing for a few days. And she canceled. She said, you know what, I'm just going to go spend the one night. I don't think now's the time to go. So we're careful about vacations. If we do go on vacations or work trips, um, we work with our sponsor to determine how to best handle it. We do a lot more check-ins than we normally do. We build safeguards in. We call places in advance to see what the food's going to be, if we can bring our food. I know someone, she went on a trip, she brought her own small refrigerator with us, with her. You know, we do what we need to. Um, number 16 is 
not resigning from the debating society. That's having to be right about everything, politics, religion, food plans. That's something we have to be careful about. Other people's food plans, unless they're my sponsee, none of my business. Um, values, um, who should or shouldn't get the COVID vaccine. We resign from the debating society. The big book tells us we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. And the last one um, isn't specifically mentioned in the big book, but it's implied throughout. Um, and that is idolatry. So a definition of idolatry is putting a person, place, or thing ahead of God. On page 55 of the big book, it says that um, in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Beautiful, right? Like we've got two lungs, two kidneys, a heart, and the fundamental idea of God planted right in us by God. But it can be blocked by calamity, pomp, and worship of other things. And those other things are our idols. So here's some examples. If I'm not honest with my sponsor out of fear of being dropped, I've made an idol out of my sponsor. It is better to be honest with no sponsor than to have the world's best sponsor and be honest because a sponsor can't give us any power. Only God can, and God won't come in when there's dishonesty. So if we're doing that, we're really just using our sponsor, right, for connections, to feel good about ourselves, but it won't work. Um, another way that sometimes idolatry manifests is being dependent on how our children are doing, what our children think of us, how our marriage is. Um, say what our jobs are like. We can identify our idols by noticing the thought, I won't be happy unless dot, dot, dot. And the dot, dot, dot is, you know, are our idols. A big one that I used to have is, I won't be happy if my kids are mad at me. And so that led me into a lot of fear which is dangerous for people like us. And so I had to get to the point where if my kids are mad at me, I may be, it may be uncomfortable, but not devastating. It's okay to be uncomfortable, but if we're devastated by something or the thought of losing something, we have to look at whether it's an idol. Um, idolatry blocks us from God because it puts that person or thing on the throne where God should be. And the solution is to surrender it and say, God, this is my desire, but thy will not mine be done. So those are some pitfalls that can um, lead us to relapse. Now the $64,000 question, how to get out of it once we're in it or how to help a sponsee get out of it. So the purpose of this talk was really to identify causes of relapse, but I wanna say a few things about how to get out of it. Um, the best thing to do is work with a qualified sponsor who's been through these steps so she can help you identify your pitfalls and help you find God so that he can pull you out of that pit. Um, it's my opinion. So very clear, my opinion, but based on my reading of the big book, that a sponsor should not drop a sponsee if the sponsee eats compulsively. Instead, 
review with her what happened. What pit did she fall into? Was there a lack of strenuous forward motion in the steps? Is she practicing self-sacrifice? Dr. Bob said the people who relapse are the ones who stop having a morning quiet time. Has she stopped that? Um, on page 35, we're told the story of Jim who found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. And what did they do? It says on each of these occasions, we worked with him reviewing carefully what had happened. But there are, um, there's only a few options for people going into relapse, three options. One, the person isn't willing to go into any, isn't willing to go to any lengths. And in that case, you know, it's sad, but honestly, then we have no desire to help them. Um, hopefully they will be willing at some point. Two, the person never went through the steps properly, in which case we can help them plug in the gaps. And three, they let up on something, right? They let up on the spiritual program of action and fell into a pit. Um, it has to be one of those. Um, here are two things that don't cause relapse. One is circumstances, right? Um, I ate because my lousy boss, my lousy parents, my lousy kids, the lousy weather, you know, COVID, the war, that never. The early AAs went off to war and stayed sober. I can't think of any circumstance more difficult than that. And in fact, someone posted something from the AA members in Ukraine recently, and they sent something over saying, we're okay, we're doing okay. We're trying to still live our program, pray for us. Circumstances are never the cause of relapse. The second, um, sometimes someone will say they relapsed because they accidentally ate a trigger food. I think the key word is accidentally, as in an honest mistake. Um, when I was new in recovery, I still drank diet soda and I had a can of diet Sprite. And when I finished, I realized it wasn't diet Sprite. It was regular Sprite. I, I had had a whole can of it. And you know what happened to me? Nothing, nothing. I realized it. I told my sponsor. And then I just went about doing what I was supposed to be doing because it was an accident. Remember, our solution is that we're protected by God. What kind of God would withdraw his protection for an honest mistake? But if we're being dishonest with our food and eating things we know lead us to obsession or compulsion, then the issue isn't food. The issue is dishonesty. So once the cause of relapse has been identified, well, then what? On page 120, we're advised to redouble our spiritual activities, which means we work twice as hard at whatever step we're on. And then it explains exactly how to prevent another relapse, still on page 120. If a repetition of the relapse is to be prevented, place the problem along with everything else in God's hands. So basically we examine all the areas we're doing the program our own way and begin to do it God's way to the best of our ability. We make sure we're being honest, that we're living up to our ideals, that we're clearing up resentments and fears, we're making amends, we, we're spending time in prayer and meditation so that we are on the continuous receiving end of God's loving, unending power, and that we're helping others to find and fall in love with this God who's rescued us and gives us all the power and protection we need. And that's just his opening act. Um, 
I just want to close with a few words. It says, if a repetition is to be prevented, place the problem along with everything else in God's hands. And I thought, well, God must have some pretty big hands if he could handle all my problems, but he does. He is big enough to solve all our problems, including, of course, our food problem. So the antidote, the antidote to relapse and the key to ongoing recovery is really found on that simple line on page 59. There is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And may we all find him now. And with that, I pass.